Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to this week's show. It is Thursday, October 24th, and we are two games into the Baseball World Series. The Classic has the Nats up two to nothing. We are in the midst of the heart of the NFL season coming into week eight. A lot to talk about there. And Gino, the NBA season just tipped off. Before we get into all the hardcore baseball and football talk, the Battle of LA was the day before. Uh, I'm sure you were glued to your TV or multiple sets with the the, the baseball game on and, and the Lakers and Clippers. Quick thoughts from you on just what you saw from the Clippers performance and, uh, you know, the, the newly assembled Lakers team with AD. Oh, man, that was a fun game. That was really intense. Did not feel like it was the opening game of the NBA season. Like, it literally felt like game one of a playoff series. Uh, yeah. It, 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 it like the crowds with the energy, everything. And you know what I think? It was it was so much fun. Anyone that's saying like anything negative about the Lakers, I'm kind of like scratching my head at because I like both teams. The Lakers punched them in the face early. The Clippers came right back, and then Kawhi had that awesome second quarter. And then the Lakers had a really strong third quarter. The game was tied going into the fourth quarter, and then there were three consecutive possessions where. The Lakers had a bad turnover, a bad turnover, and LeBron missed a really easy layup. And the Clippers scored seven points off of those three. That was pretty much the difference in the game. It was a really fun, high-level basketball game. And I was so pleased with, I mean, there were some lots of negatives from the Lakers, but I was really pleased with the fact they got down by 14 and they came right back and tied the game. And then they were just, they were sloppy down the stretch. You know, LeBron and Anthony Davis both didn't really play very well overall. And, the, and uh, Kawhi did. And I think that was the difference in the game. And uh, I would love to see these two teams hook up in a series. And because we'll get to see, like, the Lakers, we saw some of their strengths and their weaknesses on display with their size. That's a key. But the Lakers were missing, you know, Kuzma, who people don't talk about. The Clippers were obviously missing Paul George. Lakers were also missing Rondo and Caruso. So I think these teams come a month, come around Christmas time, where we kind of joke is like the unofficial start of the NBA season. I think we'll see these teams look a lot better even, which is scary because they both, I thought, look pretty good. I think these are going to be two of the best four teams in the in the West. I really do. Uh, well, and I think from the Clippers' perspective, the thing that impressed me the most was their defense. Yep. And with Paul George coming back, they're even going to be that much better. And so... Uh, you know, when when I'm looking at it, you know, and I'm not a huge NBA guy, but I'm like, man, their defense is really, really rock solid. It's championship level defensively. And I think they're only going to get better as they play together more. They will. And they're they're very well coached. And what to start right now, they're a tough team for anyone to play because the only real new piece on their team right now is Kawhi. So they and, and so they haven't had to incorporate a whole lot. Um, I mean, so like when they're playing against a team like the Lakers who has nine new players and a new coach and a new system and two new stars kind of feeding off of each other, they, they are going to be solid all the way through. 
Like, I don't have really any knocks on the Clippers whatsoever. I think they're going to be a very good team. I do think that they, um, the Lakers kind of, just from like wa- watching the game and then rewatching it again, uh, again, the Lakers didn't, uh, like, you know, the, the Clippers and Doc adjusted after getting down early, and then the Lakers didn't really do as well of a job of readjusting and then kind of going back and, and using their size a lot. The Clippers kind of, um, like you mentioned, with their defense, they threw the Lakers off a little bit of their game plan, and they're sustained. And I think that's that's something that with just more reps, um, we didn't get to see a whole lot of the LeBron-Anthony Davis pick and roll, which was really good in the preseason because the Clippers snuffed it out, and they were switching so I, I just, it was fun, man. I was, I was so excited to see like a really high level game at the very beginning. And this is a good thing for both of these teams to play a really, like, I think a blessing in disguise as a Laker fan. I wanted to see our weaknesses right away. Now you can go even early, kind of go back to the drawing board and go, okay, we played a very good team. This Clippers team is the current favorite to win the title. And the Lakers are, I think the top three, four choices. So these are two teams. We're not talking about the Lakers, like, struggling in some spots against a a bad team this is going to be as you mentioned again if not the best one of the best defenses in the league i just hope we can get a series well the, la you know, you, know you, you mentioned you've mentioned the word fun a few times and I, and i think that's a really good word to use very applicable to these uh, to that game but also to these teams here in la especially i mean I don't think there's any analogy in any other sport. I was trying to think of one while you were talking. I'm like, imagine, you know, um, Bryce Harper joining Mike Trout on, a, on on the same team or Machado or you name it, you know, Bregman on the same team with Mike Trout and in the same town, uh, you know, Verlander or Cole or any uh, – Scherzer or, you know, any top stud pitcher from another team comes over. They're all in the same town. And in game one, they're going up against each other. I mean, that's really what we saw with, you know, Anthony Davis and Kawhi. And there's already, you know, the best player in the world over the last, you know, 15 years and LeBron already here. I mean, has it ever happened in any other sport? I'm not sure. And for it to happen in the same town during the then, same year, and then the matchup on opening day, it's crazy. I mean, I guess it would be maybe like Messi and Ronaldo. I mean, it would have to be at that level because the NBA is a global sport. And then you add the fact that not only did Kawhi spurn the Lakers in the offseason, Paul George did two years yeah. ago. So now their two big franchise cornerstones are guys that basically told the Lakers to F off. You okay, know? Well, that, let me stop you right there because I think that's a really interesting point. As a Laker fan, Gino, if you could turn back the clock and you're the GM, money ain't an issue, and you have your choice, it's almost like fantasy where you get to draft whoever you want. Would you take Anthony Davis or Kawhi? I guess it would be well, between those two over Paul George, obviously. So yeah, who would you yeah, take I'd between those two? Yeah, I would. Now, this depends on how and, and like the conversation here. Like in one game, or probably in one series. Just for the Lakers I, for this year. If you could rewind the clock, would you still go for Anthony Davis? Or if you could get yes, Kawhi, yes, would you go for yes. him? And it's hard to, to do the hindsight is twenty twenty because of like course. we do, we got Anthony Davis for an and there wasn't really as much of a like there was always the Anthony Davis. We didn't really know what was going on with Kawhi. There actually was more Kawhi to the Clipper buzz for a while, and then it's it, it kind of changed once they got Anthony Davis. So I actually don't mind. Like, I think getting a big man who's a little bit younger and who, you know, 
to me, they're like like going forward. I take Kawhi obviously to win one game, but I I don't think it's it's like you could go either way in the if you're picking over like Kawhi or Anthony Davis. Who do you want to build your team around? And you know, because people want to want to ridicule Anthony Davis a lot for being injury prone, but Kawhi's been banged up, man. He missed a whole. Remember, he was the, out the whole year with San Antonio. And this is one thing, like, I, I love, absolutely love Kawhi. I do. I think he's the best player in the league right now. I think he's, for, for at this moment, I think he's actually better than LeBron, and there's no Duran around. So to me, right now, he's the current best two-way. He had that great first half where he scored 20 points, and he kind of, he's just a calming presence. He's, he's great. But there are a couple little things that I, I don't really love that he kind of, because of his personality and because he's so quiet, he kind of gets away with things. Right. Like he he doesn't get bad mouth the way the other stars do because they're a little bit more brash with their personality. But have we ever seen one player have an have a problem with the San Antonio Spurs? I mean, they're literally discussed as like one of the best organizations right up there with the Patriots type. You know, like they they overachieve every year. They turn great, like decent players into very good, very productive players. They're one of the best coaches in all of sports. And he had a problem with them which was weird. So he kind of, and I don't want to say quit on them, but they cleared him to play and he didn't play the entire year. We kept talking about how weird it was that one of the best players in the league just wasn't playing all year long. Then he goes to Toronto and, you know, he won. And it's crazy. I, I heard somebody else talking about it. In any other situation, when you're worried about your, your star leaving, there's like all this anxiety and there just wasn't around Toronto. They win. He leaves. Who the hell leaves a team after winning a title like that? You know, no, like, you know, and you make a good point because they didn't burn any jerseys or turn over cars or, or you know, go crazy on social media. It was, I think, maybe they were just in so much bliss having won. Um, plus, they didn't have a chance really to fall in love with them for too long of a period of time. No, even even the other night. So after the game, like I was seeing tweets from a lot of the reporters that were at the game. And it was like 1145 and Kawhi hadn't come to do his postgame presser yet. And everybody was waiting. Now. I don't know what happened and I can just 100 like guess. And I think my guess is 99.9% accurate in that Kawhi from everything I've read is someone who his body takes a lot of work before and after the game to get ready to play. He has a lot of therapy, a lot of prep work done to get his body ready to go to get his body, you know, and then the same thing right after the game. So he was probably getting some post game work, a massage in the tub, whatever it was. But could you imagine if LeBron did that? If LeBron made everybody wait, and I'm not, and I'm not even like a LeBron fan. I just have to like, I just see the way that he gets kind of talked about now, and like all the even like Durant. Like if Durant would have done that, everybody would have said, "What a prima donna made everybody wait for an hour and a half after the game, couldn't come talk to us." So he he gets away with a lot of crap. That's just my only point, you know. Yeah, I mean, and you got to wonder if there's more to it. If maybe somebody from Clippers PR came out and said, Hey, look guys, he's uh, getting some extra treatment done. Bear with us or something like that. Maybe that's why it wasn't a big deal, but I get your point though. I mean, I think you're making an overall, yeah, you know, point uh, really quickly though. Uh, back to Anthony Davis. To me, I think what's really fascinating is that the Lakers had this period, obviously with Shaq and Kobe and, Kobe retired not that long ago, and they were quickly able to secure LeBron, and that was huge news. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, now that they have Anthony Davis, it's almost like they needed somebody for Kobe to pass the baton to. And so LeBron, I mean, what better of a player to have 
fill in the interim gap, right? A guy that's still, he's not like over the hill, you know, he's still playing at a super high level. Uh, maybe not at his best all time LeBron that is, but still at a, at a championship level basketball player. He's been in the finals every year, except for last year, for God's sake. Right. And now you have Anthony Davis. So really the Lakers, if you think about it, if you're a fan, that's maybe what, like 30, pretty much your whole life, you've had a superstar. Like, shape. like like a top three player every year since you have a memory of being a basketball fan, if you're like around 30 years old, from you Kobe, mean, whatever his rookie year was. I don't remember anymore, like 90, what? 98. I 98, think it was 98. Right, so like 98 yeah. all the way through Anthony Davis, presumably till, I don't know, 2025, 20, 2030, who knows? You know, Do you see what I'm trying to say? So that's really an and, interesting run that they're about to embark on. So I think it makes a lot of sense. You made a really good point about the like LeBron – as a rental or kind of like a stopgap, because to be honest, um, with like with Shaq, when he comes over, he didn't do a whole lot in Orlando before. And then he did all of his damage with his Lakers. So he felt like a Laker to the Laker fans, you know, but like LeBron, he's come here and he's now in the twilight of his career with the last few years. He hasn't done enough to really feel like a Laker yet. He's still got to win. Whereas Anthony Davis is, is young enough and he, he feels like for the next 10 years, he could be a Laker guy that the fans get behind and that say, this is our own, you know, what type of player um, where I just don't know if LeBron is ever going to get that embracing from the Laker fans. He's just a completely different animal because there's so many people that are just LeBron fans or anti LeBron. Like he's become one of the more polarizing athletes, maybe of all time, just for like a discussion. But, uh, but that's a really good point. Cause he like, just, just a nice, and I'm not like, unrealistic. I think the Lakers have a, as good of a chance as, you know, maybe six teams this year to win the, the title. I think there are probably two teams in the East that look strong, and there could be four or five out of the West that legitimately could win the title based on who's healthy, how things break, how they match up. And if you make a nice run and you win a round or two and you get into the Western Conference Finals or you make the finals or you win, like that's that puts Anthony Davis on the map as a Laker now moving forward. And then it I, does, and, like, and you know what it does to solidify LeBron. You know, you're talking about, uh, you know, endearing yourself uh, to the Laker fans or being considered amongst the all-time great Lakers, not just all-time great NBA players. And I think LeBron has a really interesting opportunity because mm-hmm. I think he knew that, you know, maybe he gets to six championships, maybe he doesn't. You know, I don't know if he's battling the ghost of Michael Jordan and all that kind of mumbo jumbo, right? But there is always going to be the knock, which is, well, yeah, you got to all those finals. You know, you won some, you lost some, but you did it all in the East. It was really an easy path to get out of the East. He had to come out West. Uh, unfortunately for him, you know, uh, it's it's not as top heavy, like with the Warriors moving forward as it was. So it's not like, you you know, hey, well, we dethroned the best team in basketball. But the West is, is really sp- spread out you know, from one to 10 or 11 or maybe even 12, you know, there's some solid teams in there, maybe not teams that could win the championship. Either way, I think in his mind, he had to get to a championship coming out of the West and not the East to really solidify his status as an all-time great. And I'll tell you what, if he does, in my mind, win or lose, if you got to that many championships with really some mediocre Cavs teams, with oh, they the were Heat, the first one and now with a third, with a third team, you know, um, I know Robert Ori was at a bunch of finals, you know, between the uh, Rockets and the Lakers. I don't know what the record is or or whatever, but if you t- if you're the main guy, 
or one of the main two guys and you take three different ball clips to the championship, I don't care if you're one in seven in those. To me, that's super impressive. I know other people are way more aggressive about you have to have the rank, but to me, you take three different teams, you know what I mean? Like, that's just like, what more can you do? And well, you know, I'll mention this in a minute too, but it's like, you've seen too, it's like, there are different levels of clutch, right? Like, getting you there is clutch. Some people never get you there. I mean, right now, we've seen a really funny stat in baseball with like Verlander, whose numbers in the World Series now are worse than Kershaw's. Yeah, <laughs> he has a, a lower ERA and he's zero and five, a higher ERA and he's zero and five. Does that you're telling me that Verlander isn't a good pitcher and he's a choker? No, it's just there are some things that are weird. He got you there. He hasn't had a big sample size, but like for LeBron, he got you there, and I don't think he could be really blamed for the the, the one most of the finals that he didn't win. And I think maybe one or two of them you could look at and say when early on in his career he kind of curled up in a ball. But only, not only LeBron in this legacy conversation, though, could you imagine Kawhi? What if, so if LeBron brings the Lakers back, right? What a cool narrative. What a storyline. LeBron saved the Laker franchise, right? The Lakers were so, struggling so bad. He came back. He helped them get Anthony Davis, take him to the promised land. And, and then he does go down as one of the all-time great Lakers, even if he just wins one. Sure. But what if Kawhi wins with the Clippers? What if he is the reason that this Clipper organization who, I mean, let's be honest, for the last 10 years, they've been pretty relevant. There was like a three or four year spurt where they had Elton Brand and Sam Cassell where they were like sort of relevant again. And besides that, they've been one of the worst run franchises and laughing stocks in all of sports. Yeah, during the Sterling years, that, they were considered an absolute joke. Let's call it what it is, like right? A, was Sterling, and like we have to say, they were poorly run. Now we find out things after, but just from a organizational history, they have been atrocious. If Kawhi is able to win with that team after winning with the Raptors, who were a team that had some playoff demons, and that was their first win ever, he automatically jumps up onto the all-time great list. Automatically. Automatically. It, it's not even disputable. Was he? Remind me, Gino. Was he unbeaten with the Spurs? Did the Spurs lose it all with Kawhi? One thing people don't remember is remember the Spurs lost to the Heat, and then they came back the year and after. They came back at the what? That's right. That's right. So he would be. So he's what two and one. He missed the free throws yes, at the very end of the game right. that sealed the first one, and then that's when Ray Allen hit that shot. And because they would have been up by four, it wouldn't have mattered. Yes. That, that was that was his rookie season when he came out of SDSU, right? I think it was like I think it was 2014. I have to look back, but it was very early on. He he wasn't the next Kawhi yet, and I think it was the next year when Popovich like has famously said he kind of just said, "Okay, Kawhi, this is your team," which he didn't even do with Duncan. He didn't do that no. with with he didn't do that with Ginobili. But he knew that hey, you need to take the next step forward, and he did. But it was funny because Kawhi actually struggled in the playoffs. That's the one thing I always remember about him. He missed those, and sometimes you that's like a moment that. That you you like you relish and it it like skyrockets you to superstardom and it's it's kind of done that for him. I guarantee you he remembers that moment and that like he worked he went right back into the gym two days later and started working hard and now and now he you know I don't say that's why he is but I think that's just one of the reasons why he's even this good now. Uh, there's no, there's no doubt about it, Gino. Let's take our first commercial timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk NFL. Want to chat with you about who you think quarterback wise teams should dump and move on from we'll also give our power ratings talk a little world series stay with us 
We will be back in a quick moment. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play by play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Mike Abadir Show with Mike and Gino Bacola. Gino. Some games this past weekend in the NFL got me thinking. I, I, we all thought it was a really bold move, probably a stupid move in some people's minds, at the time at least, when just after drafting Rosen, the Arizona Cardinals decided, you know what, we're going to cut bait on him, and we're going to use the first overall draft pick and select another franchise quarterback and trade the guy that we just drafted months earlier to a team in the other conference. Wasn't going to come back to bite them, so at least that was smart. And they cut bait. And you know what? I'll be the first to admit that I kind of thought it was ridiculous going back-to-back like that. But now I'm kind of looking at things a little bit differently. I'm like, you know what? Maybe that is the way to go in the NFL nowadays. Maybe they're going to set the trend, which is evaluate for 20 to 24 games, maybe even less if you can make a determination and if you need to cut bait, it's better to cut your losses sooner than doing the three- to four-year experiment, which a lot of teams are doing. What are your well, thoughts? And, I, and if, they, and if you be, agree, what teams should employ that now? It was very smart. I think it's very smart in particular when 
especially in the situation this year for Arizona when they had a new coach coming in, right? And you, when, because man, we've seen you don't get a long clock in the NFL anymore, Mike. You know, no, like you your don't. clock is running right away. And so if their, you don't, their man had a, their man got a full year, full season exactly, with a garbage team, exactly. and they got bait on him, coach yep. wise, head coach. So, so if you don't come in with your guy or with some of your guys or with some players and some coaches that you are not comfortable with, you're going to be in trouble right off the bat as it is. So this was a very smart move. And man, I was right there. I said that he is going to get beat up and, he, and he's, he's going to have games where he struggles Kyler and, and he's going to be a, like a rookie, but he is much better than right now than I ever thought he would be. Uh, ever like I don't know if I ever thought he would be this good. He right, he's currently on pace to break the rookie record for completions, which Carson Wentz just set a couple years ago in 2016. He's on pace to finish the season top five all time for rookies in completions, attempts, passing yards, sacks, quarterback rushing yards, and total offense. I mean. He's it's pretty, pretty mind blowing. I think the one thing that concerns me in the long run is that we've seen with the quarterback position that guys have come in and made a splash early on. It's kind of like a pitcher that maybe hitters haven't seen. And uh, the second or third time that that same pitcher goes up against the uh, you know teams, they start getting hit a little bit. We've seen that in NFL in the last decade, right? RG3. Colin Kaepernick, you know, the list goes on and on where you can come up with names of guys who have just had these crazy flash in the pan season. Even Nick Foles, although ironically, he kind of reinvented himself and did it all over again during that Super Bowl run. But guys have had like one crazy good year and weren't able to replicate it. And it was like gone, like poof, you know, the blink of an eye, it's over. So we still don't know about the longevity yet, but. I'll tell you yeah. what, he's done a lot better than I would have imagined. And, and you, you're like you mentioned, all the records that he's you know on pace for setting, it's very impressive. And most importantly, they're winning ball games exactly. with a team that's still in the midst of a rebuild. It's not like they have all their pieces, not even no. close. You know, and they so, go two where they tied. They and they also he. I think the difference with him, and I feel like at least. I don't, and I'm not saying that he's going to be a sustained 20-year quarterback, but I think what I like a little bit more about him and what I like a little bit more about Lamar and what I like a little bit like more about even Baker, who's struggling a little bit, is that they're actually very good throwers of the ball, too. They're not just runners who are like trying to work on throwing. They're actually very good, like accurate quarterbacks Lamar struggled after the first couple weeks he struggled a little bit on his deep ball but you could tell he really wants to be a thrower too like he he really takes pride in you know wanting to be a drop back passer so I think that's that's what makes me so much more like impressed with with Kyler is that I didn't realize that he could throw the ball this well I thought he would be one of those types who could keep you on your toes with the the mixing and the matching running and passing and short I didn't realize he was this accurate, this quickly. And that's, to me, very, very impressive. Agreed. And at this point, it doesn't seem like his size has been a detriment in any way, shape, or form. So I'm with you. I think that this guy, he's, you know, we'll see when they put more pieces around him. You know, mm-hmm. does he just keep getting better you and know better your expectations and better? Though, yeah, right? I mean... Once you start getting expected to win, like we saw this with the Browns this year too, it's different when you are when you're like when you can go close to 500 because nobody's expecting anything out of you, 
And then it'll, whether it be at the end of this year or next year, people will be very high on him and whether they can fantasy and them as like a team to go over in their win total. And then we'll see, can you put up these games and put up this effort when, like you said, teams have more film on you, they've got more, they are going to game plan more to really try to take you out um, and to take you out of your game. So we'll see if Kingsbury can kind of bounce back. But yeah, I did not think I wasn't really high on him as a head coach. And I, and I still didn't really like what I saw the first couple of weeks, like what he was doing procedure wise and, and, you know, some, some issues here and there, but uh, I, I'm always, I'm always ready to, uh, very willing to give someone credit when I'm wrong. And, and, and I, I didn't know if they'd win three or four games this whole year. I yeah. thought that might be a team that could win three and they've, they're already there. Yeah, no doubt. So there's kind of some obvious ones to discuss, you know, obviously Mitch Trubisky seems to be the name that's kind of at the top of people's lists. You know, there's situations in uh, Jacksonville and in Carolina. I want to get things started off though, by naming an entire division. Okay. So we know that Brady is, uh, you know, going to retire eventually. Um, There's been whispers about some movement, uh, you know, his house is listed for sale. They haven't, ex- you know, uh, extended his contract or anything of that nature. They have an option, but it seems like uh, that's kind of open-ended right now. But he's going to retire eventually. So the Patriots will have a new quarterback eventually. So let's talk about the three other teams and the first-rounders that they have. Rosen, Allen, and Darnold. I'm going to make a prediction and say that within two years, all four of those teams in the AFC East are going to have a different starting quarterback. And isn't it amazing how we we forget sometimes that like just just because there's a group of quarterbacks every year that doesn't mean they're going to be good. No. <laughs> there's just, just somebody's the best of that group doesn't even mean they're going to be good. I mean we we see it now a few years removed from the Mariota uh, Jameis draft. Yeah, right? like yeah. We, none of that. Neither one of them are that great. And the no, and so all these guys are all youngsters. They're all pretty. You know, they have very few games under their belts. But that's just my prediction. The AFC yeah, East, and it's not because you know Brady's bad. It's just because he's going to retire or he's old or whatever, right? But the whole AFC East is going to have a different complexion because they're all going to have different starting quarterbacks. Let's just say by, I'll say it, twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think I'm ready now, and it's it's a it might be a little bit unfair too because I don't I don't think Rosen has been put in. He's been put in about as bad of positions as you could have been put in. In his two years, we talked about how horrible that Arizona team just was all offensively last year and from top to bottom. And then their offensive line was horrible. And then he was starting for one of the worst teams that we've seen in recent memory, the Miami team this year. But he just doesn't look very good out there. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he has, I haven't seen enough flashes from him in the moments that he's been in. And it doesn't have to be winning games. It's just flashes of a really good throw. Yeah, plus it's, it's not a good look too when, you know, uh, and, and yeah, sure, the Cardinals have added a few pieces, but not like a ton. So the fact that Murray's been able to do this on the team that Rosen wasn't able to, you know, I mean, they still I mean, they had David Johnson and Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk and, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys that maybe the average kind of NFL fan would be familiar with. So it's not like they went out and got a ton of skill position guys that are, um, you know, really, really solidifying this team. They've improved the offensive line a little bit. I know that that was a big issue for for Rosen. But nonetheless, it's not a good look for Rosen. Yeah. 
And you're right, though. I mean, he's had already multiple offensive coordinators and multiple head coaches and multiple teams, you know, and he's got less than, what, 15 starts under his belt, 12 starts, something like that, whatever. Just I mean, straight eye test of these three, he's got to be third for me. For me. And yeah, and, and, and I, I might be un, being unfair a little bit to, to Darnold. And maybe some people say you're being really unfair to Allen because the Bills are 5 and one But, but I think but they're 5 and one in spite of Allen being the quarterback. That's, I think that's why we're noticing Allen even more. And that's kind of why I give him a little bit of a pass because if the Bills weren't like winning games, we wouldn't really be caring as much about Allen's still like progressing. I thought he was yeah, a but, total- you know, It's going to be in your face next year when, when the Mitch Trubisky effect takes place. When they have a really good defense and they're not winning because offense just is anemic, we're, we may see that next year. You know what I mean? So well, you can hide it I mean, for one season perhaps. It's it's in place right now because let, this they're five and one. They are ranked by Football Outsiders DVOA as the worst five and one team in history. And uh, the reason why they're five and one <laughs> is literally is and the reason why they're five and one is because only New England has played an easier schedule so far, and the Patriots and Bills are projected this year to have two of the five easiest schedules since this website has been tracking for 25 years. Um, it's, it's and, and it's no surprise, by the way, that like when you look at the point against for like the entire NFL, you know, most of the teams are, you know, like around 150, let's just say. The Patriots have given up 48 and the Bills yeah. have given up 91. I mean, 91 is a joke. 48 is even just a ridiculous joke, but uh, I think that's proof of kind of uh, evidence of what you're talking about with uh, the this, this soft schedule. Bill's opponents are two of eight on field goals with only one of those blocked by the Bills. They've also missed two extra points. So it's like somebody says, for some reason, opposing kickers just seem totally unable to kick against the Bills. It's not even that like they're blocking them or they're sending them. It's just been a total anomaly. They've literally yeah. won two games because the Titans and the Jets missed field goals. <laughs> so yeah, and, I mean, and the crazy should... thing about 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 all that is, even despite, like I said, uh, you know, a lot of the teams being kind of around the 150 points against Mark, and the Bills have given up 60 points less than that. The mm-hmm. point differential is only plus 30 yeah. for a five and one team because against the worst schedule ever. So I could kind of see why they rank the Bills the way that they ranked in terms of being you know, one of the crappiest all time five and one teams ever. And I think it kind of begin, does begin and end with that quarterback. To me, he's so, not the guy. Gore isn't obviously the long-term running back. I like Singletary, but they need a lot of work on the offense. Bills seem to me like they're, they are going to probably get to the playoffs, but be like a one-and-done type team. Uh, but defensively, I think they've got some pieces. Oh, they're great. They're great defensively. He, to me, um, is, is kind of uh, – Allen's kind of a hard study because I was actually – Kind of impressed with him last year. More I, like, well, is that, that because of his legs, though, and his yeah, capability yes, and excitement. Yes, or and, his and arm I and, and passing. Problems. Well, I didn't realize with the legs that he was able was that he was the guy who could who could make a play on third down and pick up a, a third down, you know, a third and six with his legs, which I like for some of these quarterbacks to have. And then this year, the thing with him was always his big, gaudy arm. He can throw the ball a mile, but he's not very consistent. And it's kind of absurd. I saw a, a ranking that he's actually the number one ranked quarterback on short throws this year. It's the throws down the field where he's just been completely miserable, which what he was supposed to be good. So I don't know if maybe he's not that good overall. Maybe it's just a small sample size again, but I will say I am like when I bet the bills, 
I'm so uncomfortable when he has the ball that he's going to turn it over. I am just so uncomfortable. Like, I don't like playing them as a favorite. I actually like playing them as an underdog because then I feel like he could scramble with his legs and, like, make something happen. But he he worries me, and I agree with you. I don't know if he quite has it. I think of all of them, I'd still give Sam a little more time. And, and you know what? I've actually never, never been high on Sam coming out of USC. From day yeah, one. I, even, even though you're a USC fan, I never really heard you rave no, about no, Darnold. You liked no. him and you rooted loved, for him, but you didn't, you didn't love the guy. College, yes, great college quarterback. Uh, won a lot of games. He, he brought SC back. But the problem from just like a projecting standpoint, he had really small hands and he just turns the ball over a lot. Uh, he tried to force things a lot. And I don't, I don't know if this is – I don't know if he's ever had a good coach. He, was, he came from Helton to Gase now. And he was in a bad situation last year. Oh, and you know how much and, I dislike Gates. So. I know that's what I mean. I know you don't love like Gates. Like, and what's crazy is after the game the other night. So, um, Darnold each week, um, one of the, the analytics sites I look at will like rank the skill players based on how their performance was that week. And Sam Darnold was ranked dead last of all the quarterbacks, even in a week where there were a couple backup quarterbacks that came in, when, like when Matt Moore came in to play. Yeah. So it said. Donald, if um, in this projection site, what they do is they adjust it based on your opponent's strength. It said Donald got the most adjustment because of how good the Patriots are. If he didn't, this might have been the worst game they've tracked ever by a quarterback. And we're talking games with like Peterman in there. We're talking games where like Jameis has been bad. So this. This was an all timer, and I I feel a little bad for the, the comment. You know the I'm seeing ghosts thing. Yeah, this is and I, that comment to me, um, you know, it carries a lot of weight because oh, that does. tells me that this guy is just, you know, he's 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 playing a, he's playing in a league that seems to be moving too fast for him. There was like maybe a a ten minute stretch, offensively for the Jets, where it seemed like every play was a throwaway. Like they didn't pick he, up. He a couldn't f- find yeah. anybody open, and he's just like, All right, "I'm going to throw it to the sidelines." It, to me, it just seemed like, like if you ask me, like what what was d- defying the game for Darnold, it would be, yeah, he threw threw the ball away every other pass. You know, um, I think I kind of pigeonholed us a little bit, Gino, in the AFC East, and uh, we got a lot of teams to get to before we get to this commercial. Oh, sorry, go ahead, make a point. That was a good. It was the best division to hit, though, because there were two. I think so too. And what's crazy is two weeks ago, Sam Darnold was the NFC player of the week against the Cowboys. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, I mean, mean, here's the thing. That division isn't alone. It's kind of the point that I want to make. Um, It's funny because going into this year, I remember hearing a lot of commentators saying that the NFL is in really good shape quarterback wise, that most teams kind of have their franchise quarterback and are going to feel really good moving forward. I'm not so sure halfway through this season that a lot of teams would agree. So I, I, Lamar, uh, Lamar, I, I love Lamar. I want to see, is he more RG3 or can he maintain it? I know you like Lamar as well. Baker Mayfield, I was never high on him. I'm still not high on him. I think the Cleveland, Cleve, excuse me, the Cleveland Browns are going to have to be looking for another quarterback in the next year or two. Oh, no, no, we'll argue on that one. He's okay. got the most, the most interceptions this, this year that were dropped. Uh, the most interceptions that have been due to his receivers. I think he's been really screwed by the, the receiving. And Which I is think funny the coaching, because he's got all world receivers. 
and they dropped the ball. If you look, I mean, he had three interceptions the last time we saw him play against Seattle, and all three of them were, two of them were bobbled, and the other one, Odell Beckham, ran into the DB, and they both fell down on, on a and, slam. And I, have, and I have to be fair about this. I, I cannot say that I've watched an entire Cleveland Browns yeah. game all season long, and a lot of it yeah. is based on the stat sheet. And a lot of yeah. it is based on my opinion of him going great. into last year yeah. coming out and of I won't college. Great. But I, I've right. kind of caught on the other way of like defending the Browns because I think I don't think they were ever going to be as good. And they're definitely not as bad as anybody ever says they are. They're a team yes. that's like a middle a middle of the road team that's not well coached. And if you're not well coached, the difference between winning and losing, like they could very Agreed. easily Three and three instead of two and four. You and, know? and you know I agree with you on that point all day. So I'm going to yeah. zip through these real fast because we got to take a commercial here. So Dalton gone. Uh, yeah. Jacksonville. I think you can uh, stick with Minshew and Foles because uh, the big contract is is Foles, and you're going to get Minshew on the cheap for the next few years to be able to evaluate it, figure it out. Tennessee yeah. Titans. Both of them are gone. Although Tannehill's kind of maybe okay. showing how he's a really athletic guy. He's a converted wide receiver. So he's kind of showing he may have some staying power just because of how athletic the guy is. Mariota though, at, gone. Um, yeah. Great. Obviously Mahomes is safe car. I, I think he's safe, but Gruden doesn't like him. I know that the, a lot of the metrics don't like car. Let's come back to that one later. Flacco, not a long-term answer. Oh, Philip Rivers probably has just a short time left. I think yeah. that NFC East is probably the one that's going to be the most stable for a while, uh, especially because, you know, they haven't really even unveiled their guy in Washington quite yet. Uh, it seems like the fans and everybody are pretty happy with Eli's successor. Yeah, you know, Carson not, Wentz okay. is still maybe, to me, a little bit overrated. And Dak Prescott sounds like he's going to be the answer over there. Uh, you know, the NFC North, you know, obviously three out of the four teams are probably okay with their quarterback for a while. The Bears, gone. Yeah. Um, on. You know, I think the, the really the big world. question marks are going to be like the Carolina Panthers. You know, what do you do there? Um, do you kind of stick with Matt Ryan, who is always, you know, going to be putting up great numbers? He's kind of Stafford of the of, uh, of the NFC South. You know, Stafford and Matt Ryan, to me, are two guys that are always going to put up numbers and always look pretty good. But I don't know if they could kind of be the get over the hump type guys. Uh, look, we're running really late on the commercial. Let's take our commercial time out. We can come back and kind of wrap up this conversation talk a little bit of World Series, and give our Week 8 NFL selections. Too, too fun of a conversation to spend this short of a time on it. Perhaps we will extend it out to next week as well. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. Just to kind of conclude that uh, conversation, Gino, I think the NFC West is pretty safe quarterback-wise with Garoppolo, Russell Wilson, Goff, although I'm not a huge Goff guy, to be honest with you, and Murray. I think those teams are probably yeah. pretty happy with their quarterbacks for at least the they next three years. Off. They better be happy with him for yeah. three years. <laughs> and then and the NFC South, you know, that that one, it's, it's going to present some interesting scenarios because there are a couple of teams that have really good starters and really good backups. All depends on if you're a big Cam Newton fan or not. He's been an all pro. He's gone to the Super Bowl. He's done some really good things, but he's kind of injury prone and he's inconsistent, wildly inconsistent. Some years he could play like an MVP. Other years, it's just it almost seems like he's not really into it, you know. Um, the Saints, obviously, Breeze ain't going to be around forever, but hey, man, their backup is unbeaten, and he's not just dinking and dunking like he did maybe in the first game to kind of warm up to things. They've really opened up the playbook a little bit. Yeah, we were talking during the commercial break a little about this, and it's going to be a really interesting decision for Teddy because he sure played himself into some money this year. Like, if you're a team out there that needs a quarterback and you look around and you go, Teddy Bridgewater, which is funny, he is the best, he has the best against the spread uh, record as a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl era. Isn't that something? <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I did not know that. That's really yeah. interesting stat. Um, so he he's a quarterback. Now, that's, that's you know, does that obviously. date back to the Vikings days as well? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, wow, that's, interesting. That's, that's just, as a starter. Yeah, as a starter. So uh, he's been unbelievable against so the he's spread. He's a better he just, friend, that's for sure. Exactly. So um, he's gonna. He might get paid. You you made a great point of of that man. He, wouldn't it be such a great spot for him? Because you know Breeze, we he doesn't have five years left. Maybe two, right? Maybe three. Like who knows? He's no, no, maybe they win, maybe they win the Super Bowl this year, and he's like, you know what? Not? After that thumb thing, you know, I'm good. I'm good. You yeah, never right? know. I mean, same thing with Brady. Like we same keep hearing, like this guy's one of these. One of these times, somebody's going to hit them, and unfortunately, they're not. They're not going to be able to get come up, get, get back up, and get in the game, you know. And that's just going to be a, that's that's the, the the truth of when you get a little bit older. And so, does does he go somewhere and get paid? Does he sit and wait? And does the fact that he had the really bad injury to the point where he almost had to have his leg amputated, does that maybe factor into his decision when somebody comes offering him a huge contract next year and uh, and some big time money? Do they do they have to go take that? Yeah, unfortunately for him, they'll 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 
hopefully have some clear answers. You know, the Saints are probably going to be favored to come out of the NFC, if not second favorite. Um, they've got a, a fairly easy schedule. They should be able to, you know, solidify a one or two seed or a bye. They've got a legitimate chance to get to the Super Bowl. And why I'm bringing all that up is because, once again, winning a Super Bowl does change things, right? They have lost the back-to-back years in the most agonizing, heartbreaking ways on a last-second play and on the flag that everybody's talked about for six months. So, you know, if they would have, let's just say they would have won back-to-backs, hypothetically speaking. They would have won the last two Super Bowls. Maybe he's like, you know what, I'm going to go for a three-peat and then I'm done. Perhaps this time around, he's like, you know what? If I could, I just, I know how hard it is because I've experienced it over the last two years. And if I could get this ring this year, I'm going to be able to exhale because it's been a long time between Super Bowl drinks, right? 2009 to 2019, he may be done. So if I'm Bridgewater, I'm in a pretty good situation. And I almost hope that Breeze starts this weekend and I could just kind of um, sit on my perfect record for 2019. I, I like Teddy, man. I like what he's done. I he, do too. Here, I, I I would take him over maybe half of the other quarterbacks in the league right now. Yeah, I really, I, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. Do you know? I want to talk about this like uh, uh more and more and more. Um, yeah, let's. But we, we got to get to the yeah. World Series and get to some selections here. So, man, I'll tell you what. The Nats before the year started, everybody was like Dodgers, Houston, Yankees. You know, maybe Red Sox. There weren't a lot of people talking about the Nats. You called it. I got to give you credit. But there's not a lot of people that had them. None of the national writers had them as the World Series champions. And I'm not saying that this series is over because it's not by any stretch of the imagination. But they have taken it to the Astros. And you know what? Sometimes you you just um, you see numbers and you see little stats where it's your year. There was a, a stat a couple years ago with the Dodgers when they um, when they lost in the World Series to the Astros. And with Kershaw, and I think you can still see this stat throughout the regular season, and it's something like they're unde- he's undefeated when, the, when they had a four-run lead, when he was given four runs of support, and, and they lost to the Astros with the four-run lead um, in the World Series, and, and that was it. they ended up losing in, in seven. And this year, the, the stat that I thought was pretty mind-boggling, when the Astros scored two runs or more in the first inning, they were 28-0, and and they did in the first inning. Of game one, they got up 2-0 on Strasburg, or they got up 2-0 on Scherzer with Cole. Yep. And they lost. They're now 28-1 in that stat. Sometimes when just the things that like were going so well for you all throughout the year don't, it just isn't meant to be. This, this Nationals team has now won six streams in a row. They beat the Dodgers twice. They or excuse me, eight games in a row. They beat the Dodgers twice. They they swept the Cardinals and they won the first two games. And they, I mean, we're not talking about like a little three game spurt or whatever. This is this has been incredible. And they they've done it like we said with the pitching. They had Corbin come out of the bullpen again last night just for an inning. And all that does is it just shortens their bullpen. Their bullpen is just Doolittle and Hudson. That's it. That's like their entire bullpen right now. Yeah, and you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, too. Sometimes, because the pitching is going so well, the sticks pick up this, you know, it's almost yeah. contagious. And yep. to me, the most surprising thing isn't that they've gotten decent pitching, because, you know, even in game one, it wasn't like a superb pitching performance uh, for the Nationals. It's been their hitting. The hitting has been Timely. really, Timely hitting. really, it's come together 
it probably in the way that when they put together the club that they'd hoped with the young guys really, really like gelling and coming together and with the old vets playing like we know that they can Zimmerman, especially he's him and Kendrick, you know, in the last couple of weeks has been like, wow, you know, they've really, really uh, dug deep, you know, done some soul searching and are like, you know what, this may be our last chance to ever be able to get a world series and they're taking every advantage of it and uh, good for them. Yeah, it's it's a run that unlike unlike one I can remember in a while in baseball um, that that takes you through the playoffs. We see teams a lot of time have runs that kind of carry you into the playoffs and get a wild card or they get hot for the last month. But the fact that this has happened from across now, strangely, a wild card game and then a series with the Dodgers where the Dodgers had their foot on their throats multiple times and couldn't put them away. And then you just completely demolished the Cardinals like they were nothing. I mean, you just put them away. This Houston, this is an unbelievable feat to go up on Cole and Verlander too. I mean, they scored five runs on Cole. And this is why these like these numbers. It's like, are we going to say Cole is isn't clutch because he had a bad game in the World Series? Of course not. He was. He's been one of the best pitchers we've seen ever for like a sustained almost year of baseball. And then he had a bad start. What if he comes out and he gives up three runs his next outing, if he even pitches again, which he will probably game four, but then he's going to have one of the worst ERAs in, in World Series history, you know? Yep. So it's just it's crazy how it just one game, one series to the next, everything can flip. Yes, exactly. Okay, Gino, we got two minutes to close. So, um, you know, we didn't have an exciting week last week. I went two and two. You went one and two. We've talked about the uh, surge that's coming for me, hopefully. I've been talking about that for like five weeks in a row. So I've got a few picks to give out. Why don't you start us off? Okay. Okay. I'll go real quick. Uh, I'm going, I'm going to go with three and two of them. You're going to shake your head and go, what the jets. Yeah. The jets plus the six. They just looked so bad last week. They should be more like four. the Raiders. I like the Raiders. I think you can get up to plus seven. I'm seeing on the Raiders right now at Houston and Houston's not good as a home favorite. And then the Browns. Yes. The Browns, they're playing the Patriots. You can get 13 on this game in some places. That's just way too much. The Browns aren't as bad as the Jets and the Dolphins. They can keep this game within two scores. Okay, well, then we're going to have our first head-to-head then because I'm going to take New England, 12 and a half, 13. I'm seeing it somewhere in that range. So I mean, I'm if you're on the New- side, you take the 12 and a half, and I'll take the 13. That's fine. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh, there you go. I, and I'm going to take the same spread. Uh, well, actually, 13 for the Rams. I'm looking for home blowouts by teams that need to assert themselves, especially the Pats against the Browns. They they like to kick ass on teams that are kind of overhyped, and I think they're going to whoop up on them. That's just me personally. I want to go over, my first over, over on Broncos Indianapolis, 42.5, 43. It's in that range. And over on the Raiders and Texans, I think that's going to be a shootout. That's over 51.5, seeing at 52. It opened at 48, so if you're going to play that one, get it in quickly so that's all the time that we have for this week Gino we'll talk Breeders Cup next week I'm super stoked and excited and we didn't mention Hollendorfer so we'll get to that issue next week for the Breeders Cup preview show thanks for listening everyone have a tremendous sports weekend see you same time same place next week Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.